Well, I have a PowerPoint, and I know there are like, like mixed reviews about PowerPoints, whether or not they're anointed, especially when they don't work properly, but let's give it a try. <laughs> so do you all know this song, this old hymn? Oh, you have to be a certain age probably to know this hymn, so some of you might not. Um, we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure when when the billows roll anchor to the rock that cannot move grounded firm and deep in the savior's love you love that one hymns had good theology people sang scripture because most of the population after the bible was translated they were illiterate and so creeds and theology was sung Scripture was sung so that people could remember it and have good theology, even if they didn't have a lot, because you don't really need a lot. In fact, I can't remember who it was, but a, a very scholarly theologian was once asked, what was the greatest truth of Christianity that he ever encountered? And he said exactly what was already said this morning, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And, you know, there's lots of people in the world who kind of go, that's a bit of a cop-out, you Christians, you know. You, you're just going to default to God said so, and I believe it. But, you know, that's enough. But I do want to uh, commend you for taking that stand because we live in a time, and every time challenges uh, the faith of the church of that era, but we live in a time when even biology is not not taken at its um, factual value anymore. So we need to know some things. C.S. Lewis said the most important thing about anybody is what you believe about God. And I've said this times before, but if you don't believe there is one, well, then do what you want to do. Because in your, in your thinking, there's no consequence, Right? If you believe he's uh, um, um, the mean guy, the judge in the sky with a hammer, you're going to live in a certain way, but it's not going to look like the kingdom of heaven. But if you know you have a father who loves you so much that he wanted to fix the mess that mankind got himself into, then we have the invitation to come and be part of the family. And um, so this morning, this week, I was reading through um, the epistles of John. And John, what what do you know about John? He has a nickname. He has a couple of nicknames. Him and his brother had a nickname. Did anybody know that one? James and John, sons of... (laughs) Which is a bit indicative of uh, some guys who like to see things rock and roll. Maybe some heads at that point in their walk with Jesus. Um, pretty passionate guys like Peter, but they wanted to bring some judgment. So John, a son of thunder, John, in relationship with Jesus, how was he known? John the Beloved. So I love that a son of thunder, when he gets in close proximity to Jesus, becomes John the Beloved Disciple. Of course, Jesus had this knack of saying, of getting people to all feel like they were his best friend, I think. Uh, I, know, I know some people like that. Uh, Uncle Steve Schroeder, uh, everybody thinks that they're really good friends with him, I think, and call, you know, love, love their relationship with Uncle Steve because Steve has, carries the love of the Father. 
and it's a rich thing. But John, in 1 John, which is what we're going to look at today, um, has some pretty interesting things to say, but I'm going to look at this first. So I, I think this is going to be more than one part because there's too many great Christian certainties. But we're going to look at the first two chapters today of what are some great Christian certainties and is it on? See, my husband has all the there we go. Okay. When the green light comes on, it is indeed on, and then you have to point it at the right machine. And then, oh, look at that. So magical, right? <laughs> garbage in, garbage out, nothing in, nothing out. Okay. So in a ship, um, this I love sailing ships. We were just down in Washington State uh, for a wedding, and there's naval base, and there was a big old sailing ship, a tall ship. And, I mean, it's, just a, it's amazing to think how these ships na literally navigated the earth. But... If they didn't have an anchor, and you think of the book of Acts when, when Paul is at, at, at the, they're in storms for three weeks, and the anchors didn't even work anymore. They cut the anchors. They ran with the storm. But typically, your anchor is going to be what, what saves you, right? So when do you need your anchor the most? When it's stormy, Right? I mean, I think the thing with Paul was exceptional because they, had, they couldn't even see where they were going. They hadn't seen sun for weeks. But you can't see the anchor when it's doing its job. And I just think that's a really important thing that I needed to be reminded of is when I can't see the anchor when it's doing its job. And so there's the anchor. And it has a rope because it's got to go from the ship down to the bottom of the ocean to the rock. And Paul said this to Timothy. He said, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. And as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. So there are things that we know and things the Holy Spirit reminds us of, but if we ignore them, our conscience, which is a God-given gift that the Holy Spirit uses to nudge us, our consciences can become seared like a, like a steak. And the more you sear it, you're going to end up with a well-done steak that isn't going to be worth eating, and your conscience is not going to do what it's meant to do. It'll be a seared conscience. And so Paul says there's always been people who know what they should do, know what they ought to do. And I'm not, I'm not a person who likes the word should or ought. Ask my husband. <laughs> Come at me with an invitation. Don't tell me what to do, right? But God tells us what to do. And there are shoulds and there are oughts. But he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The, the weight is not burdensome when we're in Christ. So... Um, John has a lot of things to say about what we know. And it's just it's so, so delightful to read because John um, is so assured. Like, isn't it interesting to talk to someone who's like 
completely comf like confident and convincing, right? Like when someone is convinced, they're super convincing, even if they're wrong. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If someone is convinced, they might talk you into something because they're convinced of what they believe and they become convincing. And so John is in this place and John is also John the revelator from the island of Patmos. It's John that wrote Revelation. And he's also called the eagle of Patmos because John's gospel is like up here. John's gospel has this perspective, all the, all the I am's, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All the I am's are John. John has this high perspective of Jesus. And maybe because he was close to Jesus' heart. And that the others, you know, present him as, well, it's kind of like the four, the four faces of the beast. The ox, the eagle, the man, and the lion. So John is the eagle. So John has a purpose in writing. And uh, I think we'll just go to First John now, Gord, in NIV. And it's interesting, I was, I was thinking about if you have ever, ever had a kid that went away to school or something and they write you a letter and they say, well, you know, well, back in the days when people wrote letters, they text you and say, uh, you know, how's it going, mom? What's, what's going on? And then the very end of the text is, uh, by the way, I could, like, I'm running short of money or can I borrow the car or something. The purpose of the text was actually was kind of being nice and getting to the point, which was I need money or I need the car or something. Thank goodness we're past those days. But um, John is really, really good at stating his purposes. And he does it, um, I almost said plusieurs fois. He does it many times. And it's good to know his purpose because, um, because there were challenges that faced John that face us today, too. Now, in John's time, people were... Um, there was a, a, a cult called Gnosticism, from Gnosis to know. But they thought that in, in order to know, you kind of had to have a higher knowledge. So the gospel wasn't enough. I'm so glad nobody adds to the gospel nowadays. Sarcasm on, on display. People have, since there was a gospel, people have taken, detracted from it, added to it, twisted it, perverted it, ignored it. It... it that's why um, Peter will talk about a true gospel, true believers in a true gospel. So John, um, and we're just going to read a lot of scripture today, which is a good thing. What was from the beginning, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at in our hands, have touched. This we proclaim, considering the word of life. Um, we're going to see that word beginning also sounds very reminiscent of the first chapter of his gospel. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? So same lingo, same author. So John and here is saying, oh, sorry, hun, just go back. Um, so John here is saying that which was from the beginning. So he knew that Jesus was not a man, that he was divine, that he was there in the beginning that he was the one who created the, the universe, which we, the disciples, we have heard, we have seen, we have looked at, we have touched. He said, we lived 
with the Son of Man, who is the Son of God. And I want to tell you, he's the real deal. So this is eyewitness accounts. It's really interesting. In the fall, Tony is going to be doing um, a cold, cold case Christianity with the Sunday school. And it's a cold case detective in real life. So cold cases like murders that were never solved. And they go cold. There's no leads. There's no witnesses. There's, there's nothing to go on. They close the case. And he would be the guy who would come and reopen the case and see if he could um, solve it. And he actually was an atheist, and so he took the case of Jesus, as people have done in the past, and tried to prove that it was not uh, legitimate and ended up becoming a believer. <laughs> so uh, here is an eyewitness. So John is saying, here, we have seen it. Um, okay, verse 2, Gord. And the life was revealed. Life appeared, and we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us, of course, through the Son. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I know you know the Greek word for fellowship, or if you don't, right, this instant you'll come up with it as soon as I say it. Heather. Koinonia, there you go. We've, we, people talked talking about that probably since the 60s and 70s, koinonia, that we would have fellowship. And the fellowship is based on our fellowship in Christ with the Father and the Son. And then we have fellowship with one another. Interesting that this word proclaim, which he uses several times, is uh, it's ap angelo. Angelo is our base word for angel. So what are angels? Messengers messengers that are sent from God. And so John says, we're sending out the message. We're proclaiming to you what we've seen and heard. And you may not have walked with Jesus in the first century when he was the short time he was on earth, but <clears throat> if you're in Christ, you walk with him every day. And we can testify to people of what we've seen and heard. And that is, it's absolutely the ticket. And if you've got joy and you look like you're at peace, I mean, you're just a magnet. You're Jesus magnets. You absolutely are. And you have some, excuse me, and you have something to share just as John did. So proclaim it. We have fellowship, uh, verse 4. We write this. Here's the first thing he writes that says one of his purposes. We write this to make our joy complete. He says, this is too good to keep to myself. I walked with him, I talked with him, I ate with him, we camped together. It's too good to keep to myself. I want everybody to know, and I'm an old man now. We'll talk about that, because he goes, my little children. Sounds like an old man, right? My mom, my mom would call people sweetie. Now I call people sweetie. I'm like, I'm getting old, right? I call people sweetie. <laughs> the things that you said you would never say that your mother said, and then you say them. So uh, John goes, my little children. He's an, he's an aged man at this time. This is the message, verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him, from the Father, and declare to you, God is light. We just talked about that this morning, and in him, there is no darkness at all. John is really black and white. I like that, because I'm pretty black and white. And he, he just, and he sets up all these contrasts. He's going to talk about light and darkness. He's going to talk about love and hate. 
and he's going to talk about things that he's just going to say it straight. Anybody like straight shooters? Yeah, TJ, there's a, like one hand shoots up. <laughs> straight shooters can be a little hard to deal with because they say what they think. And, but the body of Christ needs them. And people have been afraid the last few years to say the truth, to speak truth, because they're afraid and you can get canceled on social media. And it's pretty distressing out there, right? And so it's, it's difficult to be brave and speak truth. But we do need people who will be brave and speak truth because we have the truth, the truth that leads to eternal life and saves people from hell. And we need to be speaking the truth and to be bold. So this is the message. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live in the truth. That's what I call it, shooting from the hip. Okay? You are not going to hear that in very many fellowships these days. That's why sometimes I just love to read the word of God out loud. You know, Ezra gathers the people. They're rebuilding the wall. They stand in the rain all day, and they read the word of God. Stand there with all their kids and babies and hear the word of God because it's, it's the words of life, right? And so here John says, um, I'm just going to tell you, if, you're, if, you're, if you claim to have fellowship with Christ and you're walking in darkness, light and darkness don't mix. Black and white, guys. Then you're lying and you do not live in the truth. Or one translation says you do not practice the truth. So here's where not just knowing the truth but practicing the truth, put into practice. Be the change you want to see, right? Because the power of God in you brings change. You've got to practice the truth. Okay, keep going there, Gordon. But if we walk in the light, and walk is, you know, walk is uh, the metaphor for life. Adam walked in the garden with God. Walking is the metaphor for life. So if you walk in the light, if you live in the light, as he, Christ, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Pretty simple recipe. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Somebody say amen. Amen. Come on. Purifies us from some of our sins. The, The not so bad sins. From all of our sins. Remember? All. It's a biblical word. All. From all of our sins. Keep keep going there, Lord. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. John's a big truth teller, okay? If we claim to be without sin, because there was only one man without sin, and that's why he could die for us. So we're with, we have sin, but we have this incredible personal arrangement where all our sin is not only forgiven, but that when we confess it, we're purified. I do not have to carry the burden of sin. So when we came into Christ, our relationship with sin completely changed because we have a sin bearer. Go ahead, Gord. Thank you. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just, and probably most of you have memorized this, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And the bottom issue is righteousness because You can know all about what God offers, but if you don't step in through the door of Christ in the way and believe that he took your place, then you're still in unrighteousness. And even though you know no truth, you won't have entry into heaven. So, yeah, let's keep going there, Gordon. Thank you.
If we claim we have not sinned, we make him, God, out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So again, we think these are things we know, but there are times when we kind of don't own up to our sin. Do you know what I mean? There's times when we are doing stuff, and sometimes it's even if it's in our heads, because our thoughts can be a little skew, and nobody even knows sometimes, but God knows. So it's not, it's not condemnation, but it's saying, I don't have to worry about coming to God with those things, because he already knows. So again, Psalm 139. And there's a way to be free and clean, because he wants us to walk in victory. He wants us, there's provision for walking like Jesus. He's actually going to say, walk like Jesus. And somebody even just said to me the other day, a believer said to me, that's not possible. And I said, well, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Jesus can walk like Jesus. You can't. But you're supposed to keep in step with the Spirit. And then we can walk like Jesus, and then we will be overcomers. And it's not burdensome. It's joyful. Because the yoke, you know, He's the big ox, I'm the little ox. He's carrying the load, he's directing where we should go. The yoke is easy, the burden is light. All right. Monsieur Martin, encore un peu. My dear children, I write this to you. My version says, my little children. I write this to you so that you will not sin. Okay, so here's another purpose. Why is John writing? So we won't sin. No, he just said, if you, don't, you say you, you haven't got sin, you're a liar. So how do we not sin? He's saying you can't walk in sin. You can't have a lifestyle of sin. You're going to sin, but you'll be okay because God will cleanse you. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And there's this great biblical word from the KJV propitiation now probably if you've said propitiation even in the last year (laughs) you're in a small category by yourself Um, here is the propitiation the atoning sacrifice for our sins not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world it's done there is a way they can come in it's free it's for everybody But it's not universalism. It doesn't mean everybody's his child. How many times have we said people say, God loves us. He gave Jesus for us. I'm in. I said, did you die to yourself? Were were you born again from above? Is Christ now the Lord of your life? It's not universalism. Not everybody is God's child in this everybody's made in his image the image was marred not everybody's getting into the kingdom they've got to come through the way so he is the propitiation the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world and we know that we have come to to know him if we keep his commands and again john you know we always think of john as the the apostle of love this epistle is full of love, but he says this. Um, if the righteous one is in you, you will live righteously. In fact, the city on the hill, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden, 
Therefore, let your good work shine before men that they may glorify your Father, because it's your Father doing them. So that is the natural outworking of, um, of light. It, it, it fights darkness. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. Strong language. And the truth is not in that person. Okay, so um, the world likes to say, don't be judgy, don't judge, you don't know, only God knows the heart. And all of that is true. But if you're in Christ, we'll see it. Okay, maybe you don't have to. We will know. Because it'll look like Jesus. I had some, uh, something um, happen with the painters this week. And, you know, sort of went out of our way to accommodate them. And in, 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 it wasn't a big deal. And he was, like, so appreciative and texted me. And he goes, well, thanks. That's, that was so great. That was, like, way over the top. And I was like, no, oh, it's a Jesus thing. And he's like, cool answer. <laughs> I was like, this, that's a Jesus thing. That's, it's not over the top for Jesus. It's just what Jesus would do. Whoever says, I know him, and know is in this epistle, in this tiny little epistle, like 42 times. If anyone obey, oh, there we go. Thanks, thanks. Okay, good. If anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. And we know this word complete, sometimes it's perfect. It says, is made perfect in him, and complete in the sense of um, it's fulfilled in you. When you obey the word of God out of love for God, that love of God um, is mature and complete and perfect in you. And this is how we know we're in him. It'll show. We can see it. We can see your Jesus is showing, right? Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Again, sounds like such a tall order. But only God can please God. Only God can please God. So it's, not, it's never a try harder, beat yourself up, work at it adventure it's a take my hand and let's run this together right and i I have to say with all of all of the things that have been going on in the adventures of leadership and um bruce uh, you know if you were here last last week yeah and just talking about sean and Teresa stepping a little bit more into leadership and bruce stepping back a little bit and i just i just get all discombobulated sometimes (laughs) i'm like oh responsibility what should I do and uh and and I just had to actually I sat and I listened to Sean's message on God delighting in you and I was in Colorado when he preached that that's why he was preaching and I just sat and I listened to it I listened to it twice and I just said I just need to be reminded of this father I just need to be reminded that not only do I delight in you but you delight in me, and that's what makes life worth living. That's what makes life worth living. If I'm just working for somebody, man, I don't get paid enough. Bruce, do you get paid enough? We don't get paid enough. If we're just working for somebody, I don't want to do it. But if God is saying, I'm the God of the universe, I love you enough to die for you, give my son, let's run and do this thing together. I've got things you can't even imagine. I'm so good. I want to show my off in and through you. And I want this this town or wherever you live, I want them to know that it ain't over. It isn't over. It hasn't even begun. There's so much more. And that we're coming into exciting times. Don't be fearful. 
We're coming into very exciting times. Dear friends, I'm not writing to you a new command, but an old one. These are mostly Jewish folks, right? They, they, they knew. They knew the law, which you have had since the beginning. There's that word. The old command is the message you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command, and it is truth. And the truth is seen in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. I'm so encouraged by the words like true believer, true gospel, true light. Because John is very clear about this. There's not a lot of uh, transition between light and darkness. <laughs> it's, it, again, it's very clear. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother. So we're going to a different indicator now. What was the first indicator? If you're in the light, you don't walk in darkness. If you're in the light, you can't hate your brother or sister. Pretty clear indicators, right? Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Because that's a dark thing. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. And there's nothing in them to make them stumble. Stumble, okay? Again, the metaphor of walking, stumbling into sin. If you walk in the light, you won't stumble, but if you're entertaining darkness, you will stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I just want, this is talking about a brother or a sister in the, in the body now, but I just look at this as a picture of the world, the hatred. I always think, I think of Antifa and all of the, the incredible tragedy and loss that, and violence that's gone on under the name of some kind of freedom. Um, hates, hates, lives in darkness, walks in darkness. They don't know where they're going because they're blinded. And the God of this world has blinded them. And they're completely disoriented. And again, they, they're, they're, people are willing to do crazy things for a good cause. Right? What they believe is a good cause. But we need to be intersecting them with light and truth and saying there's so much a better way. And it's sometimes the most unlikely people who will embrace it, and it's the radicals, you know. Paul was a radical. Paul was, Paul was a revolutionary. Paul was out killing people because he thought it was a, a cult and he was defending God. And he was so wrong until uh, he encountered Jesus. I am writing to you, dear children, because, so here's another reason he's writing, your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. So it's, John is not about trying to talk a lot about sin, and, uh, but he is, he is trying to say, live on the right side of that knowledge. We can have knowledge, and it can be burdensome and condemning, and we can have knowledge that sets us free. And you will know when you're set free because it looks, we can tell, right? We can tell when you're set free because it shows and you live a certain way. Sure. It's a brother or sister. I'm looking for verse 11 in my copy here. Sorry, so aggravation, TJ, is what you're asking about? So there's, there's the be angry and sin not. 
as well, right? I think aggravation just is, uh, is sort of like um, the oil light on your car. Frustration and aggravation are like, eh, eh, need more oil, engine light, engine light, eh, eh, need more oil. That's what I always think of it as. It's like, if I'm frustrated, if I'm, if I'm aggravated, annoyed, perturbed, you know, the, you know no, but I, I know you guys don't go there. But it, when, when I get there, I'm like, I could stop right now and check my engine, ask for a little more oil from the Holy Spirit, or I could go into it. So none of us gets it right, but you can practice, because if you think of it like that as, that's an indication that I'm in, I'm in the flesh, and my flesh runs out really quickly. <laughs> and my flesh doesn't go there. I need Holy Spirit if I'm going to deal with challenging situations, which we all do. Does that help? Okay. Yeah, good. Walking in the light. Walking in the light as he is in the light. So let's just wrap her up here. I love John. So where are we at there, hon? 12. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Let's keep going. I'm writing to you, fathers, fathers in the faith, because you know him who is from the beginning. So we got no and we've got beginning again. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil men, evil one. Wow. Wouldn't you just like to know a whole crop of young men who are successfully overcoming the evil one? That's what's going to happen. That's what has to happen in these last days, is we're going to see a whole crop of young men. Because who fights the battles? The young men, the old men nurture and, and mentor and teach and the old women mentor and teach, and we pray. But the young men are the ones who have the vigor to get out there and to do things in the kingdom and who serve. You know, when I was down with the crusade in, tech, in uh, Colorado, that team was there for two months serving Colorado Springs. They were mowing lawns. They were feeding the homeless. They were, they were cleaning up the city. They were they were bringing the kingdom. They weren't, I'm going to quote unquote air quotes, they weren't just preaching the gospel. They were sowing seed for the gospel to be received. We need young, able-bodied people who can be out there bringing the kingdom in ways that some of the rest of us cannot. We, each of us has, has different uh, aspects of the kingdom we carry. So he says, the young men were overcoming the evil one. Love it, especially with the blight of pornography we have on our world right now, to see young people overcoming. I am writing to you, fathers, because I'm writing to you, dear children, because you know the Father. So I think this is super interesting because sometimes we come to church and we, I don't know, this is maybe just me, not you. You know, people want to hear something new. That's why we have so many internet preachers that. It's like find the latest and the greatest. You know, I had I was had somebody I, I don't listen to a lot of stuff on online, and I had somebody that I thought was kind of interesting, and then I I was like, I don't know. I like I don't I think you're just like stretching things to have something new to say because you want to have something unique. The gospel's been around for two thousand years. You're probably not gonna come up with something unique. And if you did, I'm checking you through heresy because that is not going to happen. There's going to be deep, maybe other uh, applications as the time goes on. 
But we cannot add to the word of God or take away from it. We need to be faithful and true. It is the plumb line. It is the measure. And we want to, he says, I'm writing to you and telling you what to do before I die. Because you already know. Because you know the Father. I find that very comforting. I find that very comforting because we don't all do what we know. Or we think we do. But we're, we're, we, we, we tend to get stuck in ruts, is what I find. You know, that grave with the ends kicked out, like a sheep that gets in one path. So God is, is constantly shepherding us into new ways. John says, I'm writing to you because you know. I'm writing to you because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. It's like John repeats himself a bit here. So we're like, John, are you old? Or we're like, let's just, just, just trust that the Holy Spirit needed us to hear this a few times, right? I write to you, young men, because you are strong. I love that. You know, you know when the kingdom is moving, when you see men arise. When it's all run by women, like when we were on the mission field, there were so many single women. And, I, and, and the, all of them would say to me, I could have gotten married. But the man wasn't willing to come to the mission field. They had other things to do. When the men arise, we all know we're in the midst of a big move of God. Hallelujah. Young men, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God lives in you. Hallelujah. 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 And you have overcome the evil one. Exact phrase again. What do we overcome? The evil one. Hallelujah. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Right? This is not the kind of preaching we hear. Straight up. It's straight up. For everything in the world, and we're talking not about the physical world here, but in the, the world system, in the, the prince of this world system, the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. This is a big one. You know, Jesus' parable about the seed, the sower sows the seed, and some of it gets choked out by weeds that come and they grow up. And even though the seed was good and pure and strong, it gets choked out by weeds, and the weeds were the love of things, the love of the world. And this is a huge one for us, for, for everybody, you know. We, we have a house that needs maintaining. We've got vehicles that need maintaining. We've got, we've got, we've got stuff, right? But, but not to let the stuff rule us, but to, but to use the stuff for kingdom purposes. So everything in the world passes away. The world and its desires are passing away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. How close are we here? Thank you, Lord. That's, a, that's an incredible promise. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. We know that. But um, to keep the perspective of the world passing away. Hallelujah. Dear children, this is the last hour. Now, John wrote this probably in about 80, 70, 90, 70 to 95. Dear children, this is the last hour. And you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. 
And every generation, we always think this is it, right? This is the time. This is the last hour. But we have to live like that because someday that generation will be right. And, of course, we think it's us, right? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's us, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking we're really close now, right? And uh, so if John thought it was the last hour, but here's God's time frame is after Christ rose and went back to heaven, everything after that is the last hour, right? We're in the last hour since Christ rose and went back to heaven, sent us the Holy Spirit so we could preach the gospel and see people come into the kingdom. We're in the last hour. This is at the beginning of this um, in the NASB. It said, um, when it was talking about koinonia, having fellowship with the Father and fellowship with one another, one of the, one of the uh, synonyms for fellowship, I'm just thinking of it here now, is communion, intimacy, sharing, and participation. So fellowship, koinonia, is to be fully participating in this last hour and to be all hands on deck for what God is doing in this last hour and that the Antichrist spirit is obviously very active. This is how we will know it in the last hour. They went out from us, so this is people that were in their fellowship, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going out showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Again, why is he writing? I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. So again, he's got false teachers hammering on his people, trying to get them to believe one thing, because Gnosticism believed that the spirit was everything and the body was nothing, so it didn't matter if what the body did. So there was a lot of immorality, which we got the same thing in the church. There's a lot of immorality in the Western church. Well, not just the Western church, but because people don't know the truth and that he says no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is a Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Okay, so you can think of a number of groups where... They have the Father, but not the Son. So these are pretty, again, very simple, straightforward instructions and tests from John. As for you, see that what you have heard from where? The beginning remains in you. So remains is also a, a really operative word for, for uh, John. And Jesus used it in, in John 15, right? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will be the branch who is attached to the vine, and you will bear fruit. As, and this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it taught you. Let's stay on this slide. 
remain in him. So we'll just let, let's just, just clarify a couple things here. What is the anointing? So the anointing in the Old Testament was smearing somebody with oil, right? And in the New Testament, we're talking about um, the Holy Spirit's anointing and one of Bruce's favorite words, unction, that we're unctioned by the Holy Spirit. Bruce, Bruce will often say, I was unctioned by the Holy Spirit. That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's oil on that. Go do that. Talk to that person. Go there. Stop there. Um, it, yeah, just simple things. I was in the bank. I went to go to the bank the other day. I was going to go do quick cash at the ATM, and the Lord said, go inside. I'm like, is there a lineup? Okay, there's not a lineup. Okay, I'll go, <laughs> you know, and I had to talk to somebody in the bank, and then it turned out after all these years, they had my wrong address, and my card hadn't been sent and received, so God is unctioning us and, and anointing us and Every day, we all do it, right? Every day, little, little tiny things in life saying, go there, do this. This is the way. Walk ye in it. That's walking in the spirit. Learn it in little ways, and then when the big ways come, we'll be on top of it. We'll be right there with him. So um, the anointing you received from him when you believed, you were born again by the Holy Spirit, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You are continually filled. Remember, we had the beach ball bouncing around the congregation. Keep your beach ball full. You remain in him. The anointing remains. You do not need anyone to teach you. What does this mean? It's okay for me to be a lone ranger and get all my teaching off the Internet? No, because he says be in fellowship. This means he's, again, he's, the context is these Gnostics. It's false teachers. It's saying people who are coming against the truth, the true gospel, don't listen to them because the Holy Spirit will turn your little light on and say, me, 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 off course, off course. You know, the new cars do that? I don't want one. <laughs> then the new cars, when you go get, get too close to the line, they're like, me, and they, they move you over. They actually move you over. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He goes, that is not on course. You're going to cross the line. You're going to get in danger. You're falling asleep. Wake up! Like those new cars. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's saying, that stuff is garbage. Don't listen to it. You have me, the Holy Spirit. You have the word of God and you have fellowship. Stay on track. Stay on course. Don't believe the counterfeit or you will end up shipwrecked. And we've seen it so often. And in this day and age, and if you see people, and John's going to talk about it, if you see something that leads to death, a sin that leads to death, go and talk to that person. But bring the word of God and bring them into line with the truth, gently, with compassion. All right, let's finish up. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. We shine like stars in the darkness. You know, we do, we do things that the world won't do. You know, we're nice when people aren't nice to us. <laughs> you know, we forgive. We are gracious. And it, it uh, speaks so loudly. think we're going to wrap it up there let's get a few more verses but he says these things i've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you 
So he's, he's, um, he's just trying to keep them on track because they are on track. And then I'm just going to read the first part of uh, chapter 3 because it's, it's such a crescendo. See how great a love the Father has given us that we would be called children of God. And in fact, we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it didn't know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. So I just want to end with that. This, this our experience of the Holy Spirit and the joy of knowing him is a little foretaste. The Holy Spirit is the seal that God owns us. He will complete the good work he's begun in us and that we're promised, just like a promise ring, we're promised to the Father and he will get us through. May we know him and stay on the straight and narrow and help each other in love to look more and more like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. We're so grateful for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending him, Lord, and um, that we're never alone. You'll never leave us. You never forsake us. We have your word. We have the words of eternal life. We have your spirit to encourage us. We have, uh, Lord, this lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and we have the fellowship, a lot of just of the Holy Spirit, but of the body of Christ, that Christ in all of our uh, brothers and sisters is such a joy and encouragement, and we can have sweet fellowship together in you. I thank you for uh, everyone in this town who names the name of Jesus, and Lord, all of our visitors, Lord, may they just carry the fragrance of you wherever they go. Lord, may we be um, just so full of you. And Lord, we do, you said that we would do greater things than you did because you go to the Father on our behalf. And we are looking for those greater things, Lord, not because of signs and wonders in and of themselves, but that people would know that you are real and alive and powerful and concerned for them and, and kind. And so I, I pray, God, you would increase um, divine appointments in our lives that we would have that unction and we would meet people and we would have your words to speak into their lives and hearts and that just our kindness and our countenance would, um, would help people to find you and come into the kingdom of heaven. Bless all of these wonderful folks now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.